Hey, what's going on, guys? Sunny D here. Thanks for tuning in to the YFYI podcast. The episode that you're about to listen to is from our live storytime series. And right now we're doing a brand study and the brand that we're going to be focusing on this week is none other than none other than the incredible McDonald's Corporation. Love them or hate them, you can't deny the success of the company and the amazing brand, marketing, sales, and everything that they've done. So I'm excited to get into this. We're going to be reading from Grinding It Out. The Making of McDonald's by Ray Kroc. And this is the first part of the McDonald's study. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time, you know what time it is. It's time, you know what time it is. Let's get it going. You know what time it is. All right, so we're getting our streams going. Good morning, good morning. Hopefully everyone's doing well, feeling good. Ready for some story time this morning. I know I am. So if you're just tuning in, if you're Uh, Tuning in on the gram. Good morning. If you're listening to the podcast, good morning. If you're tuning in on Twitter, you're listening to a little live stream action on Twitter, good morning. Gotta work through a couple of technical, technical. Um, issues, right? Always had to have have a couple technical issues. Where would where would our life be without having a couple technical issues? Um, but good morning, welcome to Story Time. Excited to be here. Excited to be back. It's Monday morning, nine a.m. is when we do this. Um, until further notice, you, we are going back to work this week, so we might be changing some things up. Might be moving the time, maybe shifting it. I'm gonna see how the the schedule is gonna layout for this week then I'll give you guys an update but for today and looks like also for tomorrow we're gonna be here at 9 a.m. Um, this is story time I'm your host Sunny D thanks for being here thanks for tuning in um, this is gonna be our 31st episode of story time 31 times we've sat down together we've grabbed a little coffee and we've read through um, studied up on and experienced the company and let's see so last week we were doing a brand study we were going through the new gold standard which was an amazing time an amazing book by Joseph Michelli and we went through that book and we learned a lot of awesome things about the amazing hotel company the Ritz Carlton Hotel Company and some of their best practices some of the things that have given them the uh, the longevity you know that they've they've had the longevity to be in an industry to be a company for over a hundred plus years uh, I know I learned a lot going back through that book you know listening to um, all of those amazing stories again um, it was a lot of fun I had a lot of fun going through it 
And I was sharing with everyone, you know, when you read a book, you connect with a book, you find a book that you love, that you get so much insights. It's always great to come back to that book, you know, in the future. And so that's what we do. On story time, it is about coming back to a book, rehashing, relearning, re-experiencing some of those things from that book. And so that's what story time's about. I'm excited to be back here, excited to share with you, getting all of our uh, live streams set up right now, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram's live. So this week, as we're going through story time, we're gonna be switching gears. We're gonna be switching gears. We're gonna be studying up on another company. And I think you're gonna be pretty familiar with this company as well, this corporation, as they like to be known as. Um, but this this company that we're, we're gonna be studying up on um, is gonna have a lot of nostalgia for some people. You know, I know for families, it's one of those things where you take your kids and I'm gonna give you a couple hints. Uh, you take your kids and you have just memories, you have experiences. It's been a part of uh, so many childhood memories for so many kids for so long. Um, and that's part of their marketing and part of their branding and their part of their business building strategy. And so as you're thinking about how long your company may be around, um, how many generations your company may touch from, you know, the mom to the daughter, the father to the son, the mom to the son, and so on and so forth, um, I think there's going to be a lot of takeaways as we go through this uh, particular company, as we go through this particular brand. Um, from a branding perspective, I think you're going to learn a lot as well. So I want you to be thinking about that. What is a place that your mom took you, your dad took you when you were little, when you were a little kid um, that you have some fond memories of that you um, that you loved, you know, you just loved going there. Can you think of that place? Can you think of where that place is? Can you see that place in your mind's eye right now? And I know it's early morning. And when you hear this place and you, um, then you find out, oh, that's where he's talking about. You know, your stomach might growl. That's another hint. That's a, that's a power hint right there. Your stomach might growl. Can you think of what that place is? Maybe, maybe not. I'll give you one more hint. And this is going to be the, this is going to be the, um, I think with this hint, you'll definitely get it. So the next hint I'll give you is, they have a brand ambassador or we'll say a mascot that dresses up like a clown that's the last hint i can give you i can't give you any more hints beyond that do you know what i'm talking about do you know the place do you know the business do you know the brand uh, most of you guys already know stomach growling was a, a great hint childhood memories was a great hint and having a mascot or a brand ambassador that's a clown, that's like in the ultimate hint. The company that we're gonna be going into this week is none other than the Golden Arches of McDonald's, the McDonald's uh, Corporation. Um, so this week, our brand study, as we're getting into it, I'm gonna be reading from 
the book Grinding It Out, which is going to go over the making of McDonald's. And this is by Ray Kroc. And Ray Kroc is, you know, he's the the guy, right? He's the McDonald's guy. He's the guy that, you know, took the franchise and developed it into what we kind of see the, you know, the end results today when we look around the world and we see a McDonald's, you know, almost on every corner. We see McDonald's in almost every country. We see all of those things today. Ray Kroc is the, um, is the person who really kind of took McDonald's um, to that level. Now, Ray Kroc is not the person who started McDonald's, which you guys will learn about as we're going through the story, um, but he's the one who really took it to the level um, and took it to where it is today. He's the one who had the vision uh, for the company to become what it's really become, and it's really surpassed even his vision. It's gone way beyond his vision, uh, way beyond probably anything that he really ever thought. I mean, he saw the vision and he knew like this company can be a lot more, um, but it's gone probably light years beyond where he thought it was gonna go. And so I'm excited to go through this brand. I know as a, as a kid, you know, I spent you know time going to McDonald's and it was like one of those things for me when I was, uh, you know, growing up, it was a uh, it was a treat. It wasn't one of those, you know, regular occurrences. So when I got to go, it was like a special occasion. So I was like, oh, we're gonna get to go to McDonald's. This is gonna be this is gonna be amazing, right? And as a kid, you know, one of the great marketing things that McDonald's did is they created the Happy Meal uh, for kids and. There's some interesting things that I've learned about, you know, over the years studying McDonald's that aren't even are beyond even the book. I mean, there's other information that's out there. Um, but when it comes to Happy Meals, for example, and I don't know exactly where they sit today in the rankings, but at one point McDonald's was the the top uh, number one distributor, number one uh, seller of toys because they had Happy Meals. And you get a toy in every Happy Meal. And those, I mean, millions and millions and millions and millions served at McDonald's through Happy Meals uh, led McDonald's to be the top you know, distributor of toys. So I thought that was a pretty uh, amazing, fun fact in itself. Um, so there's lots of cool things that I learned about the company. But as I'm going through this, you know, story time when we started 31 episodes ago, I was going through and I was just reading from uh, my books, the YFY book series, you know, your first year in the beauty industry, how to not just survive but thrive in the business of beauty. Then I went into your first year in salon ownership. And then at 24 episodes in, because we did, we covered, you know, a, a chapter or so a day, we were out of material, but I wanted to keep story time going. So I decided to go into um, into my library and start pulling out some books that I've learned so many lessons from when it comes to business, when it comes to branding, when it comes to uh, leadership, when it comes to uh, marketing, and that's where uh, we're at now. So we'll probably use each um, episode, I think like in a week, if we, if we dedicate a week to a brand, I think that's enough to really kind of go through each book. And some of these, you know, books are going to have, you know, they're going to be longer. They're going to have more chapters. Um, but going through, I'm picking out a lot of the key takeaways that I had as I went through uh, these books to share with you. So, if you're just joining, welcome. 
This week we're kicking it off. Um, this is going to be the study of the McDonald's Corporation. Um, this is going to be episode 31 of Storytime, but this is part one of the McDonald's uh, study. Um, and if you, you know, and it doesn't, I mean, you might sit in different positions. You might love McDonald's, you might hate McDonald's, you might be um, undecided, um, but one thing you cannot deny is the brand, the business, uh, the marketing, and just what was built you know, from the founding of this company. So this is gonna be part one. Uh, the book that we're reading from, again, is Grinding It Out. It's by Ray Kroc. And if you haven't seen the movie, I'm gonna tell you right now, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, The Founder, that's gonna be some of your homework. Go and watch that movie. It's with uh, Michael, Michael Keaton, I believe, right, is in the movie. Go watch that movie, The Founder, uh, because I mean this I mean the book is gonna be I mean it's amazing and I mean it's it's a quick read I mean it's you know small book um, but the movie and the book definitely gets into more detail but the movie you know it's it's awesome to kind of see how it plays out they do paint a picture of uh, Ray Kroc to be you know not the he's he's a little shrewd I mean he he was a he was a, a sharp you know businessman and when he saw the opportunity um, he really capitalized on it. Uh, what happens with the McDonald's brothers, which you'll learn about, you know, wasn't the, they didn't have the best outcome, you know, being that the McDonald's brothers are the ones who started this. A couple of guys, which you'll you'll learn about as we're going through this. But what Ray Kroc did, seeing the vision and taking it to the level of um, franchising it, because he saw it being everywhere in the world. He saw it not just being a, um, you know, a, a small hamburger stand out in California that's not what he saw he saw it being he saw it being a worldwide you know dominating player all over the globe and that's what Ray Kroc saw now sometimes in business you know you might be the starter you might be the founder of your business you might be the creator of your business and your idea but at some point you might find that you you know, wanted to go to a next another level or the next level, um, you may not be the person to take it there. You know, and that's something that people do find out. Like, there's a lot of companies, you know, right now that the founder will take them as far as they can go, and then they'll need to bring in another, you know, executive, or they'll need to bring in somebody else that can then can take the company and take it to that next level. And I think that's kind of where. McDonald's was when McDonald's you know when Ray Kroc came into the picture the McDonald's brothers were they weren't you know they weren't losing but they had exhausted a lot of energy and they tried it's not like they didn't try to take it to another level they tried but they just got to a point where um, they weren't going to be the ones to take it to that ultimate level to that next level uh, and then when Ray Kroc came along and he saw like what they created and he saw this like system that they created and that was really what it was. It was an, an incredible system. Um, he saw some, it going to the next level. Um, some high level overview of the company. You know, it was founded in April of 1955 in San Bernardino, California. Um, it's headquartered now in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, the current CEO is Chris Kemp, Chris Kemp Zinsky. And then the founders, the original founders, were Maurice McDonald and Richard McDonald. 
They have a lot of different subsidiaries like McDonald's is the main, you know, the mothership, the main brand, but they also have other subsidiary brands that they've created. And so that goes a lot into like thinking about where your business is at now. That doesn't mean just because it's, you know, it's a, and I'm learning, you know, as I've been going through, like there's a lot of different companies we're going to study, but I'm learning some amazing things every time I read a book and I think like I know the story, right? You think you know the story of McDonald's and then you find out all these other things. You think like right now I'm reading a book about the company of Samsung. They started out as a vegetable uh, store, like a vegetable shop in a, a dried fish shop. Samsung, yeah, the electronics company. So you hear like these companies and you think you know, you have no idea and you start reading in. Um, so just thinking about the subsidiaries, McDonald's created McCafe, they created McDonald's France and Canada. They've gotten into other businesses and have tried other things and that's where it's okay, you know, to try to, you know, innovate and try to expand in different directions. Um, so there's lots of subsidiaries. McDonald's is a publicly traded company. So you can buy a little piece, right? You don't just have to buy, sell for a Happy Meal or a hamburger. That's not the only thing you can buy. If you wanted to, you could buy a little piece of the company on the New York Stock Exchange, on whatever uh, stock exchange you want, um, you, wherever it's sold. So McDonald's right now on the New York Stock Exchange, their share price um, as of really today is the first day of trading since last week, um, but it's sitting around $173.81. So for $173.81, you could buy a sliver, a little piece of McDonald's, the company. And so those are just some of the high level overviews of the company McDonald's. Um, it's you know, known as the McDonald's Corporation. It's an American fast food company. Um, and it was founded 1940. Now, that's when the first like hamburger stand came. The 1955 is when Ray Kroc, the author of this book, came into the picture and created uh, the McDonald's that we know as of today. But really being founded in 1940, um, with Richard and Maurice in San Bernardino, they started this one, you know, little hamburger stand. And then later it got turned into, you know, the franchise, the Golden Arches logo. That's when that came out in 1953 at a location in Phoenix, Arizona. And then in 55, that's when Ray Kroc joined the company as a franchise agent and proceeded to, you know, purchase the chain from the brothers and kind of take over and turn it into the global phenomenon that we know today as McDonald's. And so this book is going to be where we're reading from today. Um, but thinking about like what you could do and potentially where your company could go, you'll see as this twist and turns and this story develops um, into something that, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Where you're at now, you know, thinking if your business, you know, we're, you know, kind of in this Corona economy, we're really entering the Corona economy. And I've been talking about the Corona economy for the last two months. But really now that businesses and companies are starting to open up, this is the um, beginning, the entering phases of the Corona economy, because now we're going to find out, you know, what the new business landscape looks like. Now we're going to find out you know what the appetite is no pun intended because we're you know learning about and working on mcdonald's today but what the appetite is to go into restaurants to go into stores um to get back out there to to shopping 
I mean, think about it. Like these stores have been closed so long, people have had enough time to really kind of reevaluate. You know, do I need to go here? Do I need to go there? Could I shop online? Could I do a curbside pickup? Could I um, do this or that or get a subscription that could replace some of these other things? You know, so there's a lot of things I think beyond just, I mean, yes, people like to go out. I mean, sports is gonna be a huge one because sports brings people out, whether it be to a sports bar to watch a game, whether it be to an actual game or a live event. You know, just like we were talking about music, the other night we did Corona Palooza. We had a ton of artists, um, hair and music, you know, coming online to bring people together. But there's still not going to be, you know, it's not going to replace going to a live event. So those things I think um, will come back once you know people feel comfortable, you know, getting back out there and getting around crowds. But some of the other businesses, like we're going to find out what this new economy is all about over these next couple of months when most states are now reopening. We're gonna see what the appetite is for people to wanna to go out, wanna engage and interact, and at what level do they wanna go out and engage and interact. So travel, you know, hotels, um, events, our, my business, the beauty business, hair salons and spas, all those things are now gonna be finding out. So I'll have more to report because we're actually opening up. We're gonna start taking guests back in the salons this Wednesday. Um, so I'll have more to report as we begin to open so we can kind of, you know, see how it's going for us and we'll continue to watch and I'll continue to watch other businesses as we watch reports, we get numbers so we can really find out what the Corona economy is about. Now, McDonald's being um, such a big, you know, drive through business, uh, not probably a whole lot. I don't have the exact numbers. But not a whole lot's probably changed. If anything, um, their business may have actually increased during this. Um, they, you know, you go into the restaurant sometimes. You know, you'll see. But most of the times, when you go to a McDonald's, you see most. I mean, the restaurants aren't really that full anyway. They're really more of a drive-through because it's a fast food business. They've redesigned a lot of their uh, restaurants and tried to make them. Uh, you know, a little bit nicer and a little bit more inviting to sit down and eat. But at the end of the day, I mean, I know the last time I had a McDonald's, I wasn't, I mean, I was popping through a drive-thru. I was probably on the road traveling, doing something, just swing through a drive-thru. It's so convenient and easy. Uh, that's been kind of their model. So they they set themselves up for something like the coronavirus or the corona economy um, a long time ago, being a place that most people just do a drive-thru anyway with them um, so but we'll see as we're in the current economy hopefully you guys if you are open if you're out there if you're already doing business um, hopefully it's going well it's getting a good you're kicking off to a good start um, if you have been steady through this um, great that's amazing um, if you're not quite there yet or you're not um, doing business yet um, it's gonna come back just keep you know just keep stay positive and keep focused on you know what's the next step what's the next step all of our businesses you know, I think we'll have an opportunity to come back in some way, shape, or form. Now, they may look different. Um, the approach may be different. Um, some businesses, unfortunately, yes, they will not come back, but most businesses will. And as we continue, uh, we just will have to see what this new economy, how it's going to shape up and how we're going to have to shape up in order to thrive in this new economy, the corona economy. 
Um, so hopefully we can learn some things from this great, you know, company. And I call it a great company because it's it is it's done things that no other business is uh, has done is going to do or will ever do. Um, so I hopefully hopefully we'll be able to learn a lot. So let's get into grinding it out. So we got a little preface we're gonna go through. And like I said, this is a pretty um, pretty easy read. You know, if you're looking at it, you can get it on audio, you can get it like in the physical copy. Uh, physical copies, you know, unless the reprints. Uh, this one's, I mean, this one's kinda, you know, it's been through it. I mean, this book when it first came out, we're talking, uh, let's see, the original. So copyright 1977 by Ray Kroc. Afterward, copyright 1987 by Robert Anderson. So yeah, 77, that's a, that's a long time ago, right? That's a long time ago when it was published. So looks like we got a little storm brewing outside. All right, so here's the preface. Opportunity is dead in the United States. The tax structure has destroyed all incentive. How often we have heard such laments during the past 30 years, when in fact greater fortunes have been made and higher living standards achieved than ever before on earth. Those of us who teach courses at graduate schools of business, courses with titles like entrepreneurship or new enterprise management, know that such gloom is unfounded. We have case studies based on true examples of individual success and corporate growth to prove it. Every now and then, a unique and vibrant personality like Ray A. Kroc comes along, a fresh and blood, a flesh, I'm sorry, not fresh, a flesh and blood example of a Horatio Alger story who illustrates in practice what one is preaching and who repudiates the lamenters entirely. Grinding it out, Ray Kroc's autobiography and the history of the McDonald's Corporation is a dramatic refute, refutation of all who believe that risk takers will no longer be properly rewarded. It reminds us that opportunity abounds, that all one needs is the knack of seizing the chances that exist, of being in the right place at the right time. A little bit of luck helps, yes, but the key element, which too many in our affluent society have forgotten, is still hard work, grinding it out. So that's a little little opener for you. So, I mean, I don't think anything changes. I think today, just like then, I mean, grinding it out, hard work will always lead, right? Yes, you know, having some luck, being in the right place, right time, you know, getting, uh, you know, having your smarts, but at the end of the day, you can make up for all of these things by just working, being willing to put in the work. Um, that's been something I've, I've used. I've always leaned on work. When all else fails, I know work won't. Work won't let you down. So knowing that you can put in the work um, to get results, uh, you, can, you can definitely count on that. So let's continue here. So Ray Kroc visited our classes at the Amos Tuck School of Business Administration on the Dartmouth College campus in 1974 and returned two years later in March 1976, bringing with him several key members of his corporate team, including Fred Turner, McDonald's president and chief executive officer. The very circumstances of that second visit 
proved the quality of energy and determination that has marked his business career. For when a major snowstorm closed down the airports in our area, the undaunted Mr. Croc commandeered a McDonald's bus from his Boston headquarters to drive the stranded executives through the storm. With his utter frankness, Ray Kroc thoroughly disarmed his audience of sophisticated MBA candidates. On both visits, he regaled students with the story of his life and the history of McDonald's, reporting in capsule version all that is spelled out in fuller detail in this autobiography. He fielded all questions that students put to him, exhibiting in his lectures and discussions the qualities which have made him a present-day commercial legend. His tough-minded business philosophy, his virtually compulsive adherence to the fundamental operating strategies designed to attract the family market, his emphasis on such basic qualities as courtesy, cleanliness, and service, and his abiding loyalty to his associates, particularly to those who have served McDonald's since its fledgling years. His talks displayed his humor, competitive zeal, dedication to hard work, and his firm belief that in the United States a person can reach or exceed any reasonable goal. Mr. Croc is one of the rare individuals who possesses both the charisma of an extraordinary leader who is a great salesman and the passion for detail of an able administrator. You do not need to hear Ray Kroc speak for long before realizing that grinding it out, the title he has chosen for his autobiography, is not a humorous reference to the preparation of McDonald's most famous product. Instead, the title brings to mind the long apprenticeship of over 30 years during which Mr. Kroc worked for others as a salesman and sales manager and later in his own small business. For the great opportunity of his life did not come until 1954 when he was 52, an age when some executives are beginning to contemplate the greener pastures of retirement. So I want you guys to just, I want to stop on that for a second because there's people out there who, I mean, are in their 20s, they're like 21, 22, you're just getting started and feel like you gotta have it all figured out and feel like you have to have arrived. Um, even by 25, even 30, even 35, I mean, you don't necessarily have to have it all figured out. I'm not, I don't have it all figured out. I'm learning every day and I've been owning a business now for 10 years. We have multiple locations and every single day I'm still figuring it out. I'm still, you know, grinding it out. Um, so to think that you have to have it all figured out. This guy, Ray Kroc, right, he's, do, he's doing all these different jobs over 30 years and then his opportunity, his great opportunity did not come until 1954 and he was 52 years old. That's when he started. That's when he, um, not started, but that's when he started with McDonald's at 52. So if you're thinking or you're feeling like down on yourself or you're like, you know, kind of like pissed like, oh, you haven't made it yet. I mean, this guy's 52 years old and that's when the opportunity was there. So you don't have to have it all figured out. I mean, you still have time. I mean, even if you're 50, right? And you're getting down on yourself, you still have some time. I mean, 52. So think about that. Um, so yeah, when most executives are looking at, you know, retirement, 
Um, this is when you know grinding it out is is get just getting started for Ray Kroc. So grinding it out also appropriately reminds the reader of the staggering investments of time, energy, and capital that were required to develop McDonald's to its current preeminence in the fast food service and franchising industries. This historic year of 1976 will see McDonald's Corporation surpass, and this is 1976 when this book was written, surpass $1 billion in total revenue for the first time. Casual students of business history may not realize the significance of the fact that this milestone will be reached during the 22nd year of the company's history. So 22 years it took them to get to the billion dollar mark. And this year, how much will they do? Let's see if we can find out. So this year, I mean, it's probably going to be a, a number that we can't even we can't even contemplate. So 2019, okay, their revenue for 2019 was 21 billion dollars. So 1976, they're about to hit the billion for the first time in their 22 year at that point 22 year history and now they're you know 70 what's that 55 so that's uh 45 plus 20 55 so now they're 65 years in the game and they're doing you know that's like they're doing 20 billion you know 20 billion in a year so that was from uh 2019 so yeah it might take a minute but keeping at it, keeping at it, keeping at it. And that's what, you know, that's hopefully what you're hearing here in this story. So in 76, they're about to do their first billion dollar year. And then it took them 22 years to get there. Casual students of business history may not realize the significance of the fact that this milestone will be reached during the 22nd year of the company's history. To put this accomplishment in some perspective, the reader should be reminded that IBM, highly renowned as a growth company, did not achieve the $1 billion sales mark until its 46th year, 1957. And Xerox, another corporation famous for its growth, took 63 years before making the billion dollar club in 1969. Polaroid, has yet to attain annual sales of a billion dollars, although the corporation was founded in 1937. Despite the changes in price level since Xerox Corporation was founded in 1906, these statistics on sales or total revenue do provide some sense of proportion to the corporate history of McDonald's and its unprecedented growth. Through the business history of McDonald's, or though, I should say, though the business history of McDonald's is fascinating in and of itself, it is only one facet of grinding it out. For the practices pioneered or perfected by McDonald's under Ray Kroc's leadership have revolutionized an entire food service industry, changed eating habits throughout the world, and raised customer expectations. Who among us is not now less tolerant of slow service, overpriced meals, soggy french fries, or a lack of cleanliness in eating places. Mr. Croc's book is not only a fascinating memoir, it is a welcome addition 
to the literature available to students of business in general. Grinding it out will be uniquely valuable to those who aspire to build their own enterprise, whether the potential founder is in his or her late teens, early 50s, or at any age in between. And this is from, this little preface here was from Paul D. Paganucci, Associate Dean and Professor of Business Administration at the Amos Tuck School of Business Administration at Dartmouth College, Hanover, New Hampshire, June 29th, 1976. So that doesn't get you pumped. My friends, if that doesn't get you pumped, then honestly, I don't know what will. When you're hearing about this guy who at 52 years old gets with this little company and takes it to these kind of levels, you know, and when you compare them against some of those and notice those companies that were being compared against, those are all technology companies. So those companies are typically, you know, the ones that uh, that are known for, you know, that super, you know, high growth, super fast, um, and growing and growing and growing and growing. So those are the companies that you know I want you to think about. Like if you're looking at your um, company and you're thinking, man, will I ever get there? I mean, a lot of companies don't. A lot of companies don't. But McDonald's, not a technology company. There's um, there's a, a good comparison because all like Xerox, Polaroid, all of those uh, companies that were compared against didn't hit it for some of them twice as long, three times as long. So the, I guess you could say like the growth and the potential and how hardcore Ray Kroc was and is and how much focus he had um, going after the business going after you know the going after the goal right and we'll learn some about his goals I mean it just is an impressive an impressive and impressive story so we're gonna get into we're gonna get into this this next little segment here from grinding it out here we go so got a nice little quote at the top of the chapter or it's kind of like a, I don't know, I guess this is more of a, uh, like a poem. There is a tide in the affairs of men, which, taken at the flood, leads on to fortune. Omitted, all the voyage of their life is bound in shallows and in miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat, as we must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures. That's a little Shakespeare, Julius Caesar. A little Shakespeare for you to kick it off. I have always believed that each man makes his own happiness and is responsible for his own problems. It is a simple philosophy. I think it might, I think it must have been passed along to me in the peasant bones of my bohemian ancestors. But I like it because it works. And I find that it functions as well for me now that I am a multimillionaire as it did when I was selling paper cups for $35 a week and playing the piano part-time to support my wife and baby daughter back in the early 20s. It follows, obviously, that a man 
must take advantage of any opportunity that comes along and I have always done that too. After 17 years of selling paper cups for Lily Tulip Cup Company and climbing to the top of the organization's sales ladder, I saw opportunity appear in the form of an ugly six-spindled milkshake machine called a multi-mixer, and I grabbed it. It wasn't easy to give up security and a well-paying job to strike out on my own. My wife was shocked and incredulous. But my success soon calmed her fears, and I plunged gleefully into my campaign to sell a multi-mixer to every drugstore, soda fountain, and dairy bar in the nation. It was a rewarding struggle. I loved it. Yet I was alert to other opportunities. I have a saying that goes, as long as you're green, you're growing. As soon as you're ripe, you start to rot. And I was as green as a shamrock shake on St. Patrick's Day when I heard about an incredible thing that was happening with my multi-mixer out in California. The vibrations came in calls from voluntary prospects in different parts of the country. One day it would be a restaurant owner in Portland, Oregon. The next day a soda fountain operator in Yuma, Arizona. The following week a dairy bar manager in Washington, D.C. In essence, the message was always the same. I want one of those mixers of yours like the McDonald's brothers have in San Bernardino, California. I got curiouser and curiouser. Who were these McDonald's brothers and why were customers picking up on the multi-mixer from them when I had similar machines in lots of places? The machine by the time had five by this time had five spindles instead of six. So I did some checking and was astonished to learn that the McDonald's had not one multi-mixer, not two or three, but eight. The mental picture of eight multi-mixers churning out 40 shakes at one time was just too much to be believed. These mixers sold at $150 a piece, mind you. And that was back in 1954. The fact that this was taking place in San Bernardino which was a quiet town in those days, particularly in the desert, or practically in the desert, made it all the more amazing. I flew out to Los Angeles one day and made some routine calls with my representatives there. Then bright and early the next morning, I drove the 60 miles east to San Bernardino. I cruised past the McDonald's location about 10 a.m. and I was not terribly or terrifically impressed. There was a smallish octagonal building, a very humble sort of structure situated on a corner, on a corner lot about 200 feet square. It was a typical ordinary looking drive-in. As the 11 o'clock opening time approached, I parked my car and watched the helpers begin to show up. All men dressed in spiffy white shirts and trousers and white paper hats. I like that. They began to move supplies from a long, low shed at the back of the property. They trundled four-wheeled four -wheel carts loaded with sacks of potatoes, cartons of meat, cases of milk and soft drinks, and boxes of buns into the octagonal building. Something was definitely happening here, I told myself. So he's just scoping it out, right? First thing is first. I'm going to jump in here for a second. First things first, he's like, 
out there, he starts his own business. He's, his own business is selling milkshake machines. That's it, that's his business. And so things are starting to pick up, but it's his own business, right? He's, you know, things are starting to pick up. You know, he's, he's in his early 50s, he's got this little business going, he's selling these, these milkshake machines, and all of a sudden, people are calling him and saying, hey, I want one of those machines like I saw at this McDonald's Brothers, you know, restaurant in San Bernardino. Now, they're just a one, you know, little hamburger stand operation. So that's where he's wondering, like, I'm selling these things all over. What's the deal with, with the one that they're using? Then he finds out they got eight of them going. So now here he is. He's doing some parking lot pimping. He's in the parking lot just watching what's going on. So he's watching all this happening. And he sees them bringing all these cartons of meat, these cases um, of milk, soft drinks, boxes of buns into the building. So he knows something's going on. The tempo, and back to the story, the tempo of their work picked up until they were bustling around like ants at a picnic. Then the cars began to arrive and the line started to form. Soon, the parking lot was full and people were marching up to the windows and back to their cars with bags full of hamburgers. Eight multi-mixers churning away at one time began to seem a lot less far-fetched in light of this steady procession of customers looking, customers lock-stepping up to the windows. Slightly dazed but still somewhat dubious, I got out of my car and took a place in line. Say, what's the attraction here? I asked a swarthy man in a seersucker suit who was just in front of me. Never eaten here before, he asked. Nope. Well, you'll see, he promised. You'll get the best hamburger you ever ate for 15 cents. And you don't have to wait and mess around tipping waitresses. I left the line and walked around behind the building, where several men were hunkered down in the shade, baseball catcher style, resting their backs against the wall and gnawing away on hamburgers. One wore a carpenter's apron. He must have walked over from a nearby construction site. He looked up at me with an open, friendly gaze, so I asked him how often he came there for lunch. Every damn day, he said, without a pause in his chewing. Lights just went out. I told you we got a storm going on. So he said, every damn day, he said, without a pause in his chewing. Oh, lights. Oh, back on, back off. We got some power situations going on. We'll see if we keep connection. So he looked up at me with an open, friendly gaze. So I asked him, he said, every damn day, he said, without a pause in his chewing. It sure beats the old lady's cold meatloaf sandwiches. It was a hot day, but I noticed that there were no flies swarming around the place. The men in the white suits were keeping everything neat and clean as they worked that and as they worked. And we are in the dark. This is called story time in the dark. We're going to have to see if we can get some connections going on here. Story time in the dark. Story time in the dark.
Story time in the dark. Story time in the dark. We're in the dark. We're in the dark. We are in the dark. It's all good. Might have lost connection. I think Instagram, I think Instagram is still going. Looks like podcast is still recording. Looks like Twitter is still going. But we just had a power outage in my neighborhood. Welcome to some Florida quick morning storm. be able to get back on the video for Facebook sorry guys we'll restart it because we lost connection <coughs> We lost connection because we lost the internet. So if you're on the podcast, we've had a little interruption here. I'm restarting my Facebook stream. I'm now having to go for my backup, which I'm pulling some internet from my phone to my computer. So we may be uh, we may be struggling here for a second. <clears throat> but let's see what we can do. See if we can get, we might be able to get reconnected. <clears throat> All right, let's try this. You can hear the storm going on out there. It's pretty serious, guys. We got some pretty serious stuff happening with this, with the rain. The rain, the thunder, and the lightning. All right, let's try this. Let's see what we can do here. Boom. Um, but on bump. All right, so. If you're listening, uh, this is story time. We lost all power, so I'm working in the dark. Let's see if we can do this. Let's go. I'm just gonna put continue. All right, so I got connected. I got connected on here. Story time in the dark. Story time in the dark. Man, we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what this phone's up to. See how strong the internet is. As soon as I'm sure, as soon as I get this back live, everything's going to get reconnected because it's just how the world works. 
world messes with you sometimes. You just got to go with it. But we're going to keep going here. I can use the light from the computer. And we're almost we're almost through this little this little chapter, so we'll try to we'll try to finish this chapter up for you guys before we sign off. Where's my headlamp at? I don't have my headlamp. Dang it. All right, so I'm going to turn the brightness up on the computer. That's all the light that we got right now. So lightning has struck and it's taken out the power. So story time is now in the dark. This has turned into a bedtime story time. Um, so I'm going to get back into the story. Sorry about that. If you're listening on the podcast, you didn't see anything. You just heard all of a sudden I stopped reading. Um, if you're on Instagram, somehow we're still live, I think, on there. And Facebook is back up. Uh, Twitter, not looking so lucky right now. So we'll continue. And uh, if anything, you didn't miss much. You just missed the power going out because I couldn't see anything. So I stopped reading for a second. All right. So right now, McDonald's, um, Ray Kroc is in the back of the restaurant. He sees some guys hunker down, pick back up where we were before lightning struck and took out the power. Um, looks like we're back connected on Facebook. So he's he sees these guys crunch down, like uh, crouching down against the wall, eating burgers. He's like, hey, you know, how often you eat here? And the guy says, every damn day. He says, without pause in his chewing, it sure beats the old lady's cold meatloaf sandwiches. It was a hot day, but I noticed that there were no flies swarming around the place. The men in the white suits were keeping everything neat and clean as they worked. That impressed the hell out of me because I've always been impatient with poor housekeeping, especially in restaurants. I observed that even the parking lot was being kept free of litter. In a bright yellow convertible sat a strawberry blonde who looked like she had lost her way to the Brown Derby or the Paramount Cafeteria. She was demolishing a hamburger and a bag of fries with a demure precision that was fascinating. Emboldened by curiosity, I approached her and said, I was taking a traffic survey. If you don't mind telling me, how often do you come here, I asked. Anytime I am in the neighborhood, she smiled, and that's as often as possible because my boyfriend lives here. Whether she was teasing or being candid or simply using the mention of her boyfriend as a ploy to discourage this inquisitive middle-aged guy who might be a masher, I couldn't tell, and I cared not at all. It was not her sex appeal, but the obvious relish with which she devoured the hamburger that made my pulse begin to hammer with excitement. Her appetite was magnified for me by the many people and cars that filled the parking lot, and I could feel myself getting wound up like a pitcher with a no-hitter going. This had to be the most amazing merchandising operation I had ever seen. I don't remember whether I ate a hamburger for lunch that day or not. I went back to my car and waited around until about 2.30 in the afternoon when the crowd dwindled down to just an occasional customer. Then I went over to the building and introduced myself to Mac and Dick McDonald. They were delighted to see me. Mr. Multimixer, they called me. And I warmed up to them immediately. We made a date to get together for dinner that evening so they could tell me all about their operation. I was fascinated by the simplicity and effectiveness of the system they described that night. Each step in producing the limited menu was stripped down to its essence and accomplished with a minimum of effort. 
They sold hamburgers and cheeseburgers only. The burgers were a tenth of a pound of meat, all fried the same way for 15 cents. You got a slice of cheese on it for 4 cents more. Soft drinks were 10 cents, 16 ounce milkshakes were 20 cents, and coffee was a nickel. After dinner, the brothers took me over to visit their architect, who was just completing work on the design of a new drive-in building for them. It was neat. The building was red and white with touches of yellow and had snazzy looking oversized windows. It had some improved serving area features over those being used in the McDonald's octagonal structure. And it had washrooms in the back. In the existing building, customers had to walk to the back of the lot to the long, low building that was a combination warehouse, office, and washrooms. What made the new building unique was a set of arches that went right around the roof, or right through the roof. There was a tall sign out front with arches that had neon tubes lighting the underside. I could see plenty of problems there. The arches of the sign looked like they would topple over in a strong wind, and those neon lights would need constant attention to keep them from fading out and looking tacky. But I liked the basic idea of the arches and most of the other features of the design too. That night in my motel room, I did a lot of heavy thinking about what I'd seen during the day. Visions of McDonald's restaurants dotting crossroads all over the country paraded through my brain. In each store, of course, were eight multi-mixers whirring away and paddling a steady flow of cash into my pockets. The next morning, I got up with the plan of action in mind. I was on the scene when McDonald's windows opened for business. What followed was pretty much a repeat of the scenario that had played the previous day, but I watched it with undiminished fascination. I observed some things a lot more closely, though, and with more awareness. Thanks to my conversation with the McDonald's brothers, I noted how the griddleman handled his job, how he slapped the patties of meat down where he, when he turned them, and how he kept the sizzling griddle surface scraped. But I paid particular attention to the french fry operation. The brothers had indicated this was one of the key elements in their sales success, and they described the process. But I had to see for myself how it worked. There had to be a secret something to make french fries that good. Now to most people a french fry potato is a pretty uninspiring object. It's fodder, something to kill time, chewing between bites of hamburger and swallows of milkshake. That's your ordinary french fry. The McDonald's french fry was in an entirely different league. They lavished attention on it. I didn't know it then, but one day I would too. The french fry would become almost sacrosanct for me, its preparation, a ritual to be followed religiously. The McDonald's brothers kept their potatoes, top quality Idaho spuds, about eight ounces apiece, piled in bins in their back warehouse building. Since rats and mice and other varmints like to eat potatoes, the walls of the bins were of two layers of small mesh chicken wire this kept the critters out and allowed fresh air to circulate among the potatoes. I watched the spuds being bagged up and followed their trip 
by four-wheeled cart to the octagonal drive-in building. There they were carefully peeled, leaving a tiny proportion of skin on, and then they were cut into long sections and dumped into large sinks of cold water. The French fry, the French fry man, with his sleeves rolled up to the shoulders, would plunge his arms into the floating schools of potatoes and gently stir them. I could see the water turning white with starch. This was drained off and the residual starch was rinsed from the glistening morsels with a flexible spray hose. So what you're hearing guys, this is the, the process. We're reading in the dark, I can barely see this. I'll restart the Instagram um, stream in just a second because it's got about 10 seconds, so I'll restart that. The podcast, I'll restart it. But I can barely see because the lights went out. We have a little lightning storm going on. But what you're hearing, all right, and we're back. Um, so the process that I was just reading through is this process of the fries. And everybody knows like McDonald's fries. No one can touch McDonald's fries. I don't care how you try, how, how many times you try, um, what you do. No one can touch McDonald's fries. And so we're going to get back into... Um, the process of the fries. If you're just tuning back in, we are reading in the dark. This is story time in the dark because we had a little lightning storm come through and it took the power out. So here we go. All right, so so they cut all the potatoes up, they soak them in water, and then he says, I could see the water turning white with starch. This was drained off and the residual starch was rinsed from the glistening morsels with a flexible spray hose. Then the potatoes went into wire baskets stacked in production line fashion next to the deep fry vats. A common problem with French fries is that they're fried in oil that has been used for chicken or some other cooking. Any restaurant will deny it, but almost all of them do it. A very small scandal, perhaps, but a scandal nonetheless, and it's just one of the little crimes that have given the French fry a bad name while ruining the appetites of countless Americans. There was no adulteration of the oil for cooking french fries by the McDonald brothers. Of course, they weren't tempted. They had nothing else to cook in it. Their potatoes sold at 10 cents for a three ounce bag. And let me tell you, that was a rare bargain. The customers knew it too. They bought prodigious quantities of those potatoes, a big aluminum salt shaker, was attached to a long chain by the french fry window and it was kept going like a Salvation Army girl's tambourine. The McDonald's approach to french fries was a very interesting process to me and I was happy to observe it. Observe. It was every bit as simple as the McDonald's boys had told me it was. I was convinced that I had it down pat in my head and that anybody could do it if he followed those individual steps to the letter. That was just one of the many mistakes I would make in my dealings with the McDonald brothers. After the lunch hour rush was abated, I got together with Mac and Dick McDonald again. My enthusiasm for their operation was genuine and I hoped it would be infectious and rally them in favor of the plan I had mapped out in my mind. 
I've been in the kitchens of a lot of restaurants and drive-ins selling multi-mixers around the country, I told them, and I have never seen anything to equal the potential of this place of yours. Why don't you open a series of units like this? It would be a gold mine for you and for me too because everyone would boost my multi-mixer sales. What do you say? Silence. I felt like I dragged my tie in my soup or something. The two brothers just sat there looking at me. Then Mac gave that little wince that sometimes passes for a smile in New England and turned around in his chair to point up at the hill overlooking the restaurant. See that big white house with the wide front porch, he asked. That's our home, and we love it. We sit out on the porch in the evenings and watch the sunset and look down on our place here. It's peaceful. We don't need any more problems. We are in a position to enjoy life now, and that's just what we intend to do. His approach was utterly foreign to my thinking, so it took me a few minutes to recognize my arguments. I'm sorry. It took me a few minutes to reorganize. Reorganize my arguments. I can't see, people. Okay? I can read, but I can't see. So I'm, I'm like tilting this, trying to use this little bit of light I got coming off the computer um, to be able to uh, finish this story time episode because the lightning struck and it took out all the power here at the house. So there you go. So it took me uh, a few minutes to reorganize my arguments, but it soon became apparent that further discussion along that line would be futile, so I said they could have their cake and eat it too by getting somebody else to open the other places for them. I could still peddle my multi-mixers in the chain. It'll be a lot of trouble, Dick McDonald objected. Who would we get to open them for us? I sat there feeling a sense of certitude begin to envelope me. Envelope. Envelope? Envelope. I sat there with a feeling of certitude begin to envelop me. Then I leaned forward and said, well, what about me? What about me? And cut. <laughs> So here we are. Uh, we've just made it, luckily, through story time with a little bit of interruptions because of this beautiful storm that's happening this morning that took out the power, took off our internet for a second. Luckily, we got our phone internet. We're using it as a hotspot, as a backup. So if you missed any part of this story, um, you can go back and check it out. Um, but the uh, the lightning storm took out our power, but we were not going to be uh, denied. Story time must go on, even if it's in the dark. Uh, we just finished up that first chapter. Um, so grinding it out, the McDonald story by Ray Kroc, incredible brand, incredible company, and even more incredible story we're going to be studying all week. For story time, we'll be back here tomorrow at 9 a.m. Hopefully we'll have power. Uh, the lightning won't disrupt our our flow too too much it might who knows um, but we're going to continue to to roll then we're going to continue our study of the mcdonald's company so this book writing it out 
the making of McDonald's by Ray Kroc. That's our focus this week. Thank you guys for joining. Thanks for tuning in to Storytime. I'm your host in the dark. This has been Storytime. Half of it was in the light and the second half is in the dark. Um, hope you guys enjoyed and, and were able to work through these little technical um, issues this morning. But I'll be back tomorrow morning. Um, you can definitely catch these episodes in their full audio version on the YFY podcast. You can go to yfyipodcast.com. You want to take these episodes on the go and continue to, to learn and continue to listen. Um, just thank you guys for being here. Uh, thanks for tuning in this morning to Storytime. And I'll see you guys and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow morning. Be safe. See you soon. Hey guys, Sunny D here again. Thanks again for tuning in to the YFYI podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot about the McDonald's and just really the thought process of Ray Kroc as he begins to chart out his course. Uh, one of my favorite parts in that beginning was definitely the process of the fries. And now we all know why the McDonald's fries stand apart from any other French fries that are out there. It's because of that meticulous attention to detail. So I'm excited to continue the journey, continue the study of the McDonald's Corporation with the book, Grinding It Out, The Making of McDonald's by Ray Kroc. Catch you on the next episode. Hopefully you can tune into a live. If you're listening to this on a podcast, we're live every morning weekdays. We're live on Facebook, live on Instagram, uh, live on Twitter. And of course, we'll have the podcast continue um, to follow up with every live session of story time. So thanks again for tuning in. For all past episodes and current and future, you can go to yfypodcast.com. And for any book inquiries for the YFY book series, you can go to yourfirstyearin.com. So thanks again for being here for story time. We'll catch you on the next episode of the YFY podcast. And remember... This is the podcast where you come to learn how to build your business right once or else you will be doomed to have to build it again. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.